You know, and I think it's only appropriate because the name that we want to look at today is the first name we actually find in the Bible for God, and that is Elohim. And I'm going to actually start with the passage a little later in the Scriptures. Uh, it's going to be in 1 Kings chapter 8. And what I do in my passages is wherever that name occurs, I'm going to put the Hebrew and the, what that name means transliterated in English, even though it may just be translated Lord or something else in the English, just so you know where that name is taking place. So here we see in verse 27 of chapter 8 of 1 Kings, But will God, Elohim, really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer, and plead for mercy, Lord, and here the name is Yahweh, my God, Elohim, hear the cry and prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name. And that's really what it is, just the title name, because one name is not enough to describe God. So he just took over the word name and made it capital. And so now it's he owns the word name. Okay, the name, my name, shall be there so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. And in context, obviously, this is a prayer of Solomon at the inauguration of a temple that was called to be built in his name. And so we can't really appreciate his name unless we can appreciate each of the names that describes the name of our God. And so we begin with Elohim. Okay, so this is actual Hebrew. And as you can see already, you get a little sign of what this name means. It's actually the second word in the Bible in Hebrew. Uh, it's the fourth word in English. In the beginning, God. In the Hebrew, in the beginning is one Hebrew word. Okay, and the second word is Elohim. But in the beginning, first name ever mentioned in the Bible, Elohim. Now, what's unique about that? Well, if you're ever wondering who the Bible is about, it just gave you the subject right at the start. It's not about us. It may contain us. It may include us. It may guide us. But ultimately, the Bible is about Elohim. It's about God. Amen? And then we see in Genesis 1-1, let's go there, where we see this encounter for the first time. In the beginning, God... In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. Now, the word Elohim, the shorter phrase El, which actually is also the name the Canaanite gods used for their god, by the way. Uh, so it's not, we don't, Hebrews don't own the name El. It was believed in by other nations. But the word El in Hebrew by itself simply means mighty or strong. Okay, But when they referred to God in the Bible, they didn't use El, they used Elohim. In other words, they made it plural. Now you might think, well, why is that important? Well, the idea of it being Elohim means that it includes more than one. However, what is very unique about this use of Elohim in reference to God, it's always used with a singular verb. What do you mean by that? For example, if I say, they creates. That sounds improper grammar, right? right? If it's they, plural, it should be create, right? They create. 
No, here it's Elohim, plural, create. Singular. So what is this trying to tell us off the start? That Elohim does have plurality to it, but it's one being. Right? I think that's very strange. Every time you find the word Elohim, which we'll find out later how often, it's quite often, it's always be followed by a singular verb, not a plural. Now, you may go, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, fortunately for us today, we don't really have a problem with that. But literally, two to four hundred years of Christian history fought, divided, separated over this simple idea of whether God is one or three or three that is one or one that's three. Trust me, it's a very interesting history. But it's an important attribute about God that He's one being, but He's more than one. So Elohim carries the idea of one person, yet He's got different attributes. What does that mean? Well, we're going to get into that more. Now, the thing that we need to discuss then is from the very beginning, already the Bible is telling us God is a triune God. Right? Father, Spirit, Jesus. Why is that important? Well, first of all, how do you define any word or any name, to be honest? Like, if this is the first time you ever heard the word Elohim, you wouldn't know what it means, correct? Like, if you had never heard of the word runner, you would not know what runner means until I attached the verb. The runner runs. Oh, now I know what a runner is because I know what running is. I know the action, right? Or if I say an artist and you never heard of the word artist, you have no idea what that means. But if I go artist draws, do you now know what an artist is in some sense? Absolutely. So the noun can only be determined or defined by its action, by its verb. So for the Hebrews to understand who this Elohim is, and for us, honestly, to really know who is Elohim, we need to go, what is the verb that follows Elohim? And of all the verbs that God uses, He says what? Creates. That's pretty impressive. Now, we don't know how impressive until you look at the Hebrew of the word creates. Bara. The Hebrew word bara means to create, but here's what it, how it's defined specifically. An action by which something has not existed before is brought into being. That, that's very important. In other words, God made something out of nothing. Let that sink in for a minute. God made something out of nothing. And this word create, bara, is never used except with God throughout the whole Bible. We think, well, doesn't mankind create? Yes, but not like God. Man only creates things out of something. And if you actually compare God's creation to man's creation, it's kind of unique. It's interesting. Everything man creates is inanimate, dead matter. Right? Think about it. Is anything that man creates alive? You're like, well, what about human beings? Well, you didn't create that. God gave you the ability to create that. But what we create, it's, it's just dead matter. It will eventually break down. Everything God creates is alive. That's how different God the Creator is to us as creators. Right? And could you make something 
out of nothing. No. That's the old joke about, oh, I, I could be like God. Really? Okay, great. Well, okay, give me some dirt. No, 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 you make your own dirt. Right? God created something out of nothing. So you've got to ask yourself, well, Derek, you don't understand. The situation in my life, it's so bad, God can't fix it. Really? Because what's in your life is something. He can create something out of nothing. So can He surely create something with your something? Absolutely He can. But I don't think we believe in Elohim when we think our something is something He can't deal with. Because our Elohim can create something out of nothing. How incredible is that? Hebrews 11.3 shows that this is, this is an element of our faith. That we must believe this about God. Verse 3 of Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand. Not by science. Not by reason. Not by education. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. New Testament says the same thing. God created something out of nothing. And that's our God. Who wants to worship Elohim? Isn't that a pretty powerful thing? Guys, He's all-powerful. So now we understand because of the first verb used with Elohim, what Elohim by itself means. El, mighty, right? We know He created. There's a plurality to this. Mighty Creator. That's what Elohim means. But we know something about this mighty Creator. It's not created by just one aspect of God, is it? Because it's plural. Elohim. Well, we know God's a part of that three, right? So who are the others? And why would it even be important for us to see God as Creator? I mean, there's a lot of things God could open the Bible with that He would want us to know Him for, right? He didn't choose us to know right off the bat that He's love. He didn't choose right off the bat to let us know He's sovereign. Why did He feel it was important that the first thing we know about God, Elohim, is that He's a mighty Creator? Maybe Romans will help us understand why. Romans 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. This is how powerful seeing God as our mighty Creator is. Through His creation alone. In other words, take away Christianity. Take away even the Bible. Take away even Jesus Christ for a minute. We still have no excuse. He is saying that the creation alone is enough to reveal qualities of God. If we would but listen. If we would but, but watch. In other words, really smell the roses. we got to stop and smell the roses. we got to just look at creation itself. 
How powerful is that? So I don't care what you believe in this world, you're part of the creation, we have no excuse. God has shown His qualities, has shown His abilities. He is the mighty Creator. Elohim, mighty Creator, is mentioned 35 times in just the first chapter. Over 2,000 times in the whole Bible. Yahweh is mentioned 5,000 times. We'll get to that name later. So, I hope you're ready. we got a lot of passages to read. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm not going to read all 2,000 occurrences, alright? But, it would be pretty powerful if we did, right? But I want you to go back this week on your own and read the creation stories. Then you're like, wait a minute, there's one story. No, there's actually two. There's the general one, chapters 1 and 2, and then we get a more specific story with Adam and Eve. Now, you know, why is there more than one? Because hey, we all need different perspectives. I don't know why God did it that way. He just did. Right? But go back to those stories, and I want you to consider these questions. I'm going to give them to you, alright? First of all, as you go through these stories, is it important to know that God created all the heavens and the earth? Now, notice it says, heavens, plural, earth, singular. That alone is an interesting thing. Hmm. Makes me kind of excited about heaven one day. If there's heavens, maybe we get to travel. I don't know. It's kind of a cool thought. What is the significance of God creating all that is seen from nothing? Of that which is not visible. Well, what is significant about that? I think it's pretty significant. Why is it important to know the beginning of something? Because that's what Genesis is, is the beginning. Now, God already existed. In the beginning, God. God was already there. The Bible doesn't even try to explain how He got there before. He just said, in the beginning, God. It takes faith from the very opening of the Bible. He already existed. He's not explaining how He existed. He just is. But it was a beginning for us with God, was it not? Why is it important? Well, because the beginning always infers an ending. Right? If there's a beginning, there's an ending. Not for God, but for us. And what is that ending that He's inferring in the beginning? It's kind of a cool thought right there. What do you learn about God's character by looking at His creation? I'm going to actually help answer that one a little bit for you, okay? What about... God's creativity. Is He not creative? I mean, just go to the zoo this week, if you can, or some point in the future, and just look at the amazing variety of animals. How creative is our God? He's creative. The different sizes, the different colors, the different textures, the different skin, the different fur, the different scales. Like, it is just absolutely incredible how creative God is, and how it all works together. Right? We've all seen the movies, if the bumblebees died, the world would cease to exist. Yeah. Like, God is so creative. Is He a God of order? When you look at His creation, there is an absolute order to it. It all works. It's, it's, it's synergistic. It's, it's got some kind of way of working with itself. And it can continue. See, we create things and it degrades over time. God creates something and it continues. That's how powerful our God is. He's a God of order. What about wisdom? When you look at His creation, don't you see wisdom? 
What if he had put our mouth on the back of our heads? <laughs> Think how hard that would be. Like, Sorry. yeah, I have to go like this. <laughs> you know. You know. I mean, there's so much wisdom in what God has designed. I mean, anyone who's who's seen a birth of a child, how, how does that how does that embryo and that seed form into this little tiny thing and then grow, grow, grow expand, come out and grow? To, yeah, I mean, it's just it's mind blowing. How does that happen? He's a God of order. He's a God of creativity. He's a God of wisdom. That's what we can see when we look at creation. And then ask yourself this final question. What is different about His creation of humanity? Because it is different. I mean, think about that for a minute, just briefly, is... There's actually three things that God creates. And if, if you follow the passage in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning God created, he, he spoke, He breathed. And the actual word there in Hebrew is ruah, breathed, spoke, which is the same word, ruah, for spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered. And it created. Well, God speaks three things into creation in the Bible. The first one is what? Everything, the world, the heavens, right? Do you know what the second one is? He gathered some dirt together and he breathed life into it. He spoke again, a creation within creation. What did he create? Man. So we're a very special creation because he actually didn't create us out of nothing, he created us out of something. And if you want to know the difference between men and women, he did that from the start. Men are made from dirt. Women from a complex piece of bone. So you're wondering why we just don't get each other? That's it right there. Right? Guys are simple. Dirt, duh, you know. Women. No, we're very finite and complex. You know, it's just the way it works. That was our beginning. What's the third? That the Ruah created. All Scripture is God breathed. When you choose not to open this up, you basically said to the mighty Creator, your words are not important. This special creation, because there's only three, the world we live in, humanity itself, and this, you're basically saying, that's not that valuable to me. What? You're telling the mighty Creator who created you out of something that this isn't important? This is not a textbook. It's not a newspaper. It's not a journal or a magazine. This is the very ruah, breath, spirit of God. And we don't want to listen to it? This tells us how to be what He created us to be within His creation for an ultimate ending that sin messed up. Would you, would you want to just settle for this heaven and earth or the eternal heaven and earth? Well, you're not going to be able to do that without this. He's the mighty Creator. He knows what we were created for in the beginning, and He knows what, how to get there in the ending. Amen. Elohim. It wasn't just God, though, was it? But why did He create it? That's the question I have. Why did you do it, God? Why did you create the heavens and the earth? Guess what? The Bible actually answers that question. I was amazed when I found this. Isaiah 45, 18. All right. For this is what the Lord, 
most often translated from Yahweh, says, He who created the heavens, He is God, Elohim. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty. So why did He create it? But formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord Yahweh, and there is no other. Why did He create it? Just to show off His ability? He wanted it to be community. He wanted it to be His family. That's why He created it. But sin messed it all up. But He's the mighty Creator. He can create something out of nothing. And so He has a, an ending much better than what we have right now. He already thought of it in the beginning. That's a whole other story. If you actually look at the Hebrew, it's one word in the beginning. And in Hebrew, this is Ed Dasher. I'm going to share it with you because it's so cool. If you take each Hebrew letter, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Well, they also have, corresponding with every letter, a pictogram. You know what a pictogram is? It's basically a symbol. Okay? For example, the first letter, Aleph, is an ox head. So it looks like an ox head, like this. Okay? There's the horns. This is the, the mouth. Turn that over. What is that? A. That's where we get our A from. Okay? And if you, if you just take that first word in the beginning, Bereshit is the actual Hebrew word, and you put a pictograph for each of those letters, and you read it from right to left, like you should in Hebrew, do you know what those pictographs actually say? By God's own hand, He destroyed His Son on the cross. What? I know, I wish I could show you the pictograph. It, it, the actual symbols, that's just what it would say. So before God even created, in the beginning, He already had the plan of the ending. How cool is that? I'll have to show that to you guys later, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. That's why you should go to the Digging Deeper class on the Saturdays each month when they have it, because it's pretty, like, blow-away stuff. When He showed that to me, I literally, my jaw dropped, like, let me see that again. <laughs> no way. That cannot be said. And it does. You can look it up. Look up Bereshit in Hebrew, the pictographs, and that's what you'll see. God had a plan. God wanted community, but sin messed it up. Well, He had a plan to fix it. Genesis 1.26 then God, Elohim, said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We've lost that control, haven't we? <laughs> but back in the day, man, it was like, Hey, you lion, get over here. How cool would that be? Hey, ostrich, I want to ride, man. Come on. Maybe that's what heaven's going to be like. Like the animals will be there and we can, we can communicate with them. And How cool is that? But did you see what it said? In our image. So we see the plural nature of Elohim even in the statement. Let us, Elohim, because Elohim's the one who's stating this, right? Make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Now what does that mean? Image doesn't just mean to look like them as a picture. Because there is no picture of them, right? It means to look like them in what they represent. They represent community from the start. So anyone who says, it's just me and God, you can never believe in Elohim. 
Because you are not in His image if you think you can be a Christian with God all by yourself. You are not like Him. Because He says be like us. He's saying be like us in community. As a family. You cannot say you're a Christian alone and say that you believe in the same God. Right? And any of us who've tried, we know it fails. We need each other. We need community. Why did He create the heavens and earth? To be inhabited by one? No. By all of us. So we see very clearly that the God in the hour, or in the us, created. Who are the other two? Well, you, you guessed it. What's the next one? The Holy Spirit. Look at this passage in Psalms. This is really cool. Psalm 104, 29-30. So we know God created, but who else in the Elohim? The Holy Spirit. Verse 29, When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, and the words translated breath is ruach, they die and return to dust. When you send your spirit, same Hebrew word we just saw for breath, ruach, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Ruach, the breath of God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, wind, breath, these are all the things that describe the Holy Spirit. Did you just get what that said? That if He chose to remove this Holy Spirit from the creation right now, we would all cease to exist. So even the, the worst atheist and agnostic person is only here because of the Holy Spirit. They don't have to believe in Him, but they wouldn't exist without Him. How crazy is that? That's why we do need to wake up every morning and we see the sun and go, thank you God for another day. Amen. I mean, David understood that when God just removed the indwelling of the Spirit from, from Saul. He was like, whoa, please keep your Spirit in me. But what if He removed the Spirit from creation itself? We would cease to exist. How crazy is that? And that same Spirit that has the power to do that also has the power to create something out of nothing. And that's the Spirit as a disciple of Jesus He's put inside you. So you go, but Derek, you don't understand my life. You don't understand the struggles I have. I don't care. If you've got the Holy Spirit, He could create something out of nothing. No, He can't help me. Really? Are we talking about the same God here? The mighty Creator? You must be thinking of another God if you don't think you can change when the mighty Creator can take even your something, which is better than nothing, and make something incredible. Right? This is why we need to know Elohim. That's why we need to appreciate the plurality of Elohim. The Holy Spirit. He just spoke it into existence. I mean, how cool would that be, women, if we could go home after the mess that our, our husbands make or our kids make and just speak clean. Boom. Oh, how awesome that would be. See, because I was trained by my mom, man, you don't do dishes, you clean the kitchen. There's a big difference between those two. How awesome if I could just walk in. Clean. Boom. Oh, man. No more vacuuming. Clean. Boom. Right? Your car's running on empty. Fill up. Boom. Bank accounts getting weak. Fill up. Boom. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that for you. But he could if he wanted. He's the mighty creator. 
And that Spirit is still working in His creation. Isn't that not amazing? It was working in your life before you ever had it in you. Because that's our mighty Creator. But that's only two, and two doesn't really sound like plural to me. It's Elohim, us. Like us, made in our image. So we got God, the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. Who do you think might be that other person? Jesus. Jesus. Colossians 1. This is an amazing passage. Verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And the image of God is plural. So if we could actually look at Jesus' human life, we could see the plurality of God even in it. Which you do. When you look at Jesus, do you see Him alone? Sometimes alone from humanity, but He's never alone, is He? Because He's in the image of God. He's with God in prayer. He's with Him in spirit. I mean, even though He may be separated from mankind at times, He's never alone because He's in God's image. We're never really alone. That would change our way of sin, would it not? If we're about to sin, if we really knew we weren't alone, would we? Right? Right? We really understood that God's right there with us? Jesus right there with us? Spirit's right there with us? I think we'd think twice. So the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn. All things hold together from Him. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So then everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Seven times in six verses, all All creation, all things, everything, to show us that Christ is supreme. No matter who you are or what you believe, everyone has this in common. Look it up. Laminin. Do you know what laminin is? I wish I had a picture of it on the slide. I don't, but look it up when you get home. Look up laminin. Laminin is an essential molecule found in all human DNA. Simplified, it's simply the glue that holds and keeps your body together. How does your skin stay where it is? Your organs stay where it is? How does everything stay together? Laminin. And if you look up laminin and look at what it actually looks like, it's a cross. Literally, Jesus holds your body together. Whether you're a believer or not. (laughs) Look it up. It will blow your... Oh, I did have the slide. Yeah, I upgraded it. Yes. How amazing is that? Because God showed in the beginning the ending. Did He not? In our beginning, when He created us, He always, always had this in mind. That only with Christ can we be held together. Why was this important? Because a beginning implies an ending. Elohim has an ending in mind through Him, through the Holy Spirit, and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. We're almost getting to the end here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, we can't just appreciate the name Elohim. Just understand what it means. It's got to change us. It's got to release us, empower us, inform us, send us out to tell the world about Him. We've been giving a ministry to talk about Elohim, to talk about the mighty Creator. He is the God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that created the heavens and the earth to be inhabited. That same Elohim has made us a new creation so that we could take this message of reconciliation to the fallen world. Guys, if, if we really appreciate Elohim, we got to be the most evangelistic people on earth. Why, should, why would we not want to talk about this mighty Creator? Why? Why should we do that? Revelations 21.1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. That's what we're waiting for. The ending was in the beginning. He created heavens and earth to do what? Be inhabited. But what happened? Sin. And now it's been slowly degrading and deteriorating and fallen. It's a fallen world. And only Jesus can fix that. Only the Holy Spirit can fix that. Only God, the mighty Creator with the others, can fix that. And He always had it in mind. That's what we're here for. We're ambassadors, the church being the embassy, of the new heaven and new earth. That's what we're doing here. We don't live here. We're temporary. We're just ambassadors. But we're trying to communicate to other people. You guys want to go here, but you've got to come through the church. You've got to get the visa of the Holy Spirit in you so you can enter. That's what we're here. Elohim. Now, you might ask yourself, okay, okay, I get this, Derek, but really, is this really what God is calling us? I mean, did the first century disciples even believe in Elohim? Wasn't it just Jesus? Wasn't it just God the Father? Really? You haven't been reading your Bible very closely. The first century Christians are Jews. Gentiles came a little later. They believed in the Hebrew God. And they believed that Jesus was His Son and the Holy Spirit was promised to them. Did they pray to Elohim? They absolutely did. Look at this passage in Acts 4. As they're facing persecution for being the ambassadors of this new heaven and new earth, for being persecuted because they were preaching about the mighty Creator, let's let's see how they responded to that. Verse 24. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And, And did they start off, Abba, Father? No. They start off, O Sovereign Lord, Mighty, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Who did the first century disciples just pray to? Elohim. And you read the rest of the prayer, we see in 431, how how did God respond to that? After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. If you truly believe and pray to Elohim, it's got to change you. It's got to fill you with 
the Ruach of the Creator inside you. And it must make you bold to preach about Elohim. And if you're not, then you can't tell me you really pray and believe in Elohim. Because when they prayed to Elohim, the place shook. Now, I'm not saying I want this place to shake. We just finally got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but maybe our hearts and minds need to be shaken a little bit today. Amen. So as we prepare our hearts for communion, let us remember the ending was in the beginning. Amen. God had already planned for us because He's a mighty Creator to create something out of nothing. The wage of sin is death. There's, no, there's nothing we can do about that, but God can. Because He's the mighty Creator. So I will pray, summarizing the prayer that they just prayed in Acts 4, as we prepare our hearts. Elohim, mighty Creator, You have made us a new creation through Your Son, Jesus Christ. You have filled us with Your Holy Spirit. You have given us a message to take to this world, a message of reconciliation. But the nations rage. The hearts of mankind plot evil in vain. And our enemy uses technology and the wisdom of this world to fight against you. Your truth is ignored or worse, turned into religions that mislead humanity. Consider their motives. Enable us to speak your message with great boldness and Christ-like compassion. Do miracles through your name. In the name of Jesus, shake our hearts and our minds to remove all complacency. Fill us with your word through the Holy Spirit to empower us to preach confidently to others your message of salvation so that one day we can all inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. As we thank you by the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.